0: we doing this morning? Great to be here. Um, I was telling Jonathan that the last time I preached here at Bluemont, it was over at the Holiday Inn. and It was a Sunday right before you were moving into this place. And so he gave me a tour of this and said, hey, we're going to be here next week. And two years have flown by like that. And uh, I really appreciate you inviting me over because I'm really excited to see you all and some familiar faces and then a lot of new faces. So this is great. You know, Jonathan and Reagan, we do, we go back a long ways, my wife and I and, and them, and, um, it's been really cool to see God, how he orchestrates relationships and, and, uh, over the years, seeing his kids grow up. And now Adam, his oldest, is over there at a university not to be named. So I get to see him often. It's kind of, it's really fun. But yeah, it's a, it's great to be here. And, um, I want to, I want to share a message with you that God really spoke to me about, um, and, uh, I want to just start off by, um, telling you about something that I, I had an opportunity to do something that I'd never done before about a year ago. Almost a year ago to this day. It was, it was last fall. And, um, it was a bucket list type deal. You have heard of bucket lists, right? Things that you just dream about doing that, man, I really want to do this before, uh, my life is done here on the earth. And so, I had, had these thoughts. And, um, I was in a comp, conf- at a conference in California. It was just north of San Francisco in, in Sonoma County. And, uh, it was a, it was a conference, church conference with pastors and stuff. And when we got there the first night, they handed out this itinerary that kind of showed the next few days of what the conference was going to be like. And I noticed on Thursday afternoon that there was this block of time that was, uh, allocated to, um, uh, visiting the local sites or doing whatever. It was like go and sightsee and, and do whatever. And so this was a list of the activities. There was, like, trail hiking. There was, like, ride the ferry over to San Francisco. There was shopping. There was wine tasting in Napa Valley. I mean, a lot of cool things to choose from. I'm going down the list, shopping, surfing. I said, what? Surfing? Are you serious? And I just stopped. Now, here's the backstory. I'm a California kid. I grew up in California 24 years of my life lived less than two hours from the beach, and yet I never learned to surf. I know. Oh, it's terrible. So as I moved to the Midwest and have been away from the ocean for a long time, this dream of surfing keeps percolating in me. And here I am at this pastor's conference, right? We're just going to have meetings. and There's surfing on the agenda. And so Matthew, the pastor whose church was hosting this event, he's an avid surfer. And uh, so he rounded up surfboards and wetsuits and all this stuff. And I, of course, signed up for that one right away. You know, I was like, this is what I want to do. So he got a few of them. There's probably six of us that wanted to do that. And not only did was it cool that we were going to go try to surf, but Matthew's like a cool surfer dude. I mean, he's got this old beat-up truck with like a convertible, like the, the roof goes down on a truck. So we got surfboards out the back. We got wetsuits hanging We're cruising down the road through the windy roads over to the coast, sunglasses on, wind in the hair, and I'm feeling like, man, I'm a beach boy. This is, you know, what I dreamed of. This is going to be awesome. So we cruise into this little hippie beach surfer town called Bolinas, just over on the coast, and we can actually see San Francisco in the distance, miles away. And um, Matthew gathers us all, and he hands out these wetsuits. He goes, here, take this one. It'll keep you warm. You gotta know something. I don't know if you've ever set foot in the Pacific Ocean. It's a cold ocean. It ain't your Gulf of Mexico little dance. It's not Atlantic. I mean, this thing, it'll get you. It'll wake you up quick. All right. So yeah, wetsuits are what you need. So he gives me this wetsuit, and uh, we all struggle to get these things on, and we're all ready to go. And we carry our boards down to the beach. And first, he wants to do the dry run. You know, he gets all our boards on the beach and lays us down there on the board, showing us how to lay on the board, how to paddle. And then showing us the transition move from laying on the board to standing upright, right? We're like, okay, this is cool. And as I'm, as I'm starting to do this, I'm like, man, this wetsuit, this thing is really tight. It's really thick. I mean, but it's all right, you know. Maybe I'm just not warmed up yet. It's cool. You know, when we get in the water, I'm sure this thing's going to loosen up. We'll be good, you know. So when I said, Matthew, yeah, this is going to be, hey, man, I gave you that one's a seven, and this is a three, I guess there's these thicknesses in wetsuits. And mine was a 7. He goes, but you're going to be really warm. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I don't want to be cold. I want to enjoy myself. And so off we go. Plus, as I thought about it, I'm like, look, man, I'm an athletic guy. I mean, I can pull this off, you know. This shouldn't be so bad. Come on. You know, that little that little macho thing, that little ego thing. So off we go, trutting, tr- trutting down to the water. And we jump in. And for the next hour and a half, we attempt to surf. So take a look at a couple of these clips. See how it goes. Oh, yeah. I got the paddling down all right. Oh, that's too bad. Take one. All right. There's a wave coming. There it is. Oh. Wait. Oh, he's trying. Oh. That's not me. That's me. Oh, oh, come on. Now, Tony there, bless his heart, he's hooting and hollering, trying to build us up like we've done something really cool. You know, he's got this GoPro camera on. He's taking video of all of us. We think we're so cool. You know, and he's cheering us on. But listen, I wouldn't call that last attempt surfing. I stood up for a second and fell over. All right, I didn't even get a chance to look around. Alright, and this goes on, I mean, 30 or 40 times. I gotta paddle back out, wait, struggle, do this, and I'm just, it's just getting out of control. It's just hard. And I'm like getting depressed, I'm getting down, I'm like, this is, this is horrible. I mean, what's going on with me? And I'm like, why is this so hard? I felt so restricted. I felt like the Michelin man in those commercials. You know, just trying to move. I couldn't make a move. I couldn't get up on the board. I was slow motion. I was getting really tired. You know, when I think about that, I think about another story in the Bible where something just didn't fit. And that's the story of David and Goliath. If you remember, Goliath was this like nine foot tall giant and he was part of the Philistine people. And and they were lined up in in war against God's people, Israel. And so Goliath and the Philistines were enemies of God. And um, here's Goliath coming out every day Lining up for battle and taunting the Israelite army that's across the valley. And the Israelite army would come out and, and formate, in formation and and listen to Goliath just talk trash to him, and then they'd go back in their tents. And this went on for 40 straight days. They were too they didn't want to go out against him. And so here it is, one day, David gets sent up to the battle lines to take his brother's lunch. Because <laughs> they're working so hard. And so he gets sent up by his dad to go see his older brothers and give him lunch. And so he goes up, and as he's approaching the the battlefield, there's Goliath doing his morning ritual, ranting against Israel and the armies of God and talking about their God in not a good way. And David cannot believe what he's hearing. And he shows up on the scene like, oh my, what is this guy thinking talking about our God like this? This can't happen. This shouldn't be. So here he is. And so he he goes up to uh, Saul. And though he's just a shepherd boy, a youth, he says, Saul, I'll fight him. <laughs> Saul says, okay. Yeah. So we'll pick up the story from there. This is 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. Then Saul, I guess Saul's all the other options were, were exhausted. I mean, they've been doing this for 40 days. Saul gave David his armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail, David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such things before. I can't go in this, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. In other words, I haven't proven them or tested them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream, put them in his shepherd's bag, then armed only with his shepherd's staff, his sling, He started across the valley to fight the Philistines. What motivated Saul to put his armor on David? Ever think about that? What motivated Saul to put his armor on David? Maybe it was good looks. Hey man, at least you'll look the part, right? You may go down, but at least you're going to look like a mighty warrior. And maybe just because you're wearing this cool stuff, they won't know that you're just a shepherd boy. That it'll spook him or something. So it's like, here's here's Saul giving him this armor. Maybe it was just good looks. Man, you're going to look the part. At least no matter what happens to you, you'll go down looking like a warrior, all right? This was the best of the best armor, too. I mean, they spared no expense in making this stuff. I mean, Saul's armor was impressive. But was an outward appearance really going to hide what was inside? And that begs the question this morning. What? might you be wearing to hide what's inside? What might, what costume might you be putting on so others don't see what's inside? So good looks might have been one reason Saul did that. The other reason could be good intentions, right? I mean, he's like, hey, I'll at least protect the lad a little bit. You know, he'll wear my armor. I've used it. It works pretty well. At least, well, good intentions, man. Hopefully this guy won't get too messed up. But armor is much like a man's suit, dress suit. It is finely tailored to fit that person. And here's Saul, who was known to be a head taller than all the Israelites. And he's putting his armor on this shepherd boy. Teenager. Not going to fit. I think about this with my three-year-old Joy, who... Once in a while we will go into my closet and clump around in there and she'll come out in my shoes and I'll hear this clumping noise and I'll hear her coming down the hallway stumbling and bumbling, trying to wear her dad's shoes when her foot is about this big. It just doesn't work. It's funny. It's pretty humorous. But the point is, what fits others may not fit you. What fits others may not fit you. And when it comes to your calling and destiny and purpose in life, what God has designed you for and what he created you for, there is no one-size-fits-all in the kingdom of God. God has got unique calling and destiny on each and every one of your lives. It's not cookie cutter, And so you cannot wear what someone else has, is wearing. You cannot be what someone else is being. you got to be who God has unique, uniquely designed and specifically created you to be. Now what's interesting about this when David said that, he goes, I haven't proven this or I haven't tested this yet. What was tested for David? What was proven for David? It's back one verse before in verse 37. David says this assault: The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so he went with five smooth stones and a lot of faith. A lot of faith. Now, Saul's armor can take many forms. Maybe it's something someone's put on you. Maybe it's something you put on yourself that just doesn't fit. That you've struggled with, that you, you've thought of yourself in a certain way. You you've thought this is all who I am, this is all I'm gonna be, this is all, you know, maybe this is all my lot in life. Maybe you've put something on you to cover up really who you are and who you could be. But many people rely on an armor. Maybe it's your education. Maybe it's your training. Maybe it's your experience. Maybe it's your networking connections. Maybe it's your money. Many of us rely on our armor to follow through and live our life for God. And God's saying, you know what? It's not about that. Oh, it's really about faith. It's about trusting Me and what I'm doing in your life. Faith is what's needed most. See, Saul and the Israelite army, their faith was directly diminished in proportion to the size of the enemy. So when the enemy was you know, so-so, their faith was alright. When the enemy was smaller than them, their faith was high. But when the enemy was bigger than them, their faith went to the floor. And they were missing out on what God had promised them and told them they were supposed to do. You were to defeat the Philistines. I'll deliver them into your hands. They are not going to win over you. But their faith went to the floor and they were stuck, paralyzed on that battle line. But David, he didn't let that happen. He said, if this is the Lord's battle, then it's going to be the Lord's victory. And he's seen it before in his life and he'll see it again. And when he looked across at that nine-foot giant, he was not intimidated. Because he goes, it's not up to me. This isn't about me. This is about God's promises and what God says about me and about Israel. So David didn't let the lack of faith of others affect his. Don't let Saul's armor impact your faith. Don't let it cover it up. Don't let it squelch it. And David's headed off. So let's go back to my surf story. You know, my surfer friend, Matt, he had good intentions giving me that wetsuit. He wanted to keep me warm. He didn't want me to see me all blue out there, frozen. But here's the deal. I didn't go surfing to stay warm, right? I went surfing to get up on that board, right, and to ride that wave. I didn't come here to stay warm. So here I am. I came to surf. But I have this dilemma. And I'm so tired after an hour and a half that I I can barely see straight. And so I kind of float into shore. And I got to go get a water. And so I go up to this rock where we left our water bottles. And I'm sitting there, and I'm having this moment, like, what am I doing? I'm drinking. I mean, I'm I, I'm like so hot in this thing, right? It it is like it's it's a thick suit, but I'm drinking water because I've been sweating the whole time out there. And now I'm like, I've got to change. Something's got to give. I got to get this thing off me. <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> I un. I, first of all, the zipper's back here with this little rope, and there's no one to help me. And I'm trying to reach this rope to get the zipper down. That takes a while. And they're all out there still surfing. They're like 50 yards away. I finally get this thing and I unzip it. I cannot get out of this thing. It's like glued to me, like suction. And I'm I'm ripping it off. And I get it down to my knees finally, right? And I'm sitting there. And I'm panting. I'm so tired now, pulling the suit off. But I can't get it over my, my feet. I can't. It gets real narrow at the legs, right? I cannot get it off. I'm trying to step on it. Finally, Matt sees me. I've been over at it for ten minutes. He comes off. He comes over to me, and I'm sitting there hanging on to the rock. And he finally pulls this suit off of me. And I'm like, Matt, I gotta do this. I gotta get this thing off. I don't care how cold I get. He's like, All right, man, go for it. It was crazy, but I had to have help from a friend to get that thing off me. I couldn't get it off. That's another important truth right there. God's gonna bring people into your life that you need. To help you get things that are on you that need to come off. Or to help you see the stuff that you're wearing isn't you. It's not your style. It was never designed for you. God's got a whole new look and a whole new way for you. Because your calling and destiny is unique. God wants to bring people into your life. It's never going to be just about you and Jesus. Alright? There is a vertical thing here that is vitally important, first and foremost. But there is a horizontal thing this way that God wants to do. God is a relational God. He puts us in spiritual family. He puts us in community with others so that when we're stuck, when we can't get out of our wetsuits or our armor that's not us, we need people to help us to see it. Go, hey, you need to get that off. That's not who you are. God's got other greatness for you that you're not even seeing. It takes other people. This verse in Hebrews 12.1 comes to mind. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What are you wearing that's holding you back this morning? What are you carrying that's an obstacle to fully living without encumbrance for the calling and destiny God has on you? We've got to throw some things off. But that verse brings up two things. It says everything that hinders is the first part. Those are things that may not be necessarily sin, but they're still hindrances to, to who God wants you to be. They still slow you down. They're like weights. They're like that wetsuit. Wearing that wetsuit wasn't a sin, but it surely was hindering me from surfing. All right? Maybe it's maybe it's some shame that you're carrying from the past or some guilt. Uh maybe it's an insecurity that you have that that you know God wants to free you from. Maybe that's hindering you. Maybe it's a fear that you've had from, from a long time ago that God wants to set you free from. He don't want you to live in fear. Maybe it's a label you put on yourself. Maybe someone else put on you that you've carried. You don't tell anybody about it, but inside, deep in your soul, that's how you label yourself and that's how you view yourself. Maybe it's trying to please people. Maybe it's trying to get applause from other people, maybe getting people's affirmation. is is something that's hindering you from really living out all God has for you. Maybe it's just a love of leisure. Yeah, I said that. I mean, I was thinking about this. This is a great time of year, right, for sports. Fall is great. The World Series just ended in dramatic fashion. There's NFL football. There's college football. There's NBA basketball starting. It's a great time of year. In fact, you can turn on the TV yesterday morning at 8 a.m. and get college football game day and you could sit there until midnight and watch football. It'll be on all day long. Morning to night. And now I tell you, that's a weakness for me. Now football's not a sin necessarily. But sitting there all day watching it would definitely hinder me from what God has for me, right? There's more to this life than that. So there's times where I'm like overdosing on it. You know, it's like I'm a sports junkie. And God's like, look man, that's just hindering you. That's not, that's the Why don't we need to free you up, because i got other things for you. Sometimes they're friends. They're very close to you. They feel like friends. God's like, look, man, they're crippling you from being all that you're supposed to be. The second thing was sin that so easily entangles. Now, that's another story. Those are things that are sin that chain you down. Because God wants us to walk in freedom. He wants us to experience repentance and forgiveness so that we can walk in freedom. But sin holds us down. We can't sweep it under the rug. We can't put it in the closet. We can't check on it once in a while. We've got to give it up to God. We've got to bring it to the cross and let Jesus' blood cover it so that we can be all the way set free. Not partially, not you know, halfway, but all the way. It suffocates us. It restricts us. It inhibits us. And many of these things are things of our own doing. Maybe it's unforgiveness towards somebody. When God calls us to forgive, you might say, well, Rick, you don't know my situation. Well, look, I don't. I don't know the depth of the hurt. But I do know this. God's word is true and he's faithful. And he says, he goes, I have forgiven you, so you can forgive others. And he even goes further to say, if you don't forgive others, I will not forgive you. Now that'll step back a little bit. Wow. God has something to say about this relational thing. He wants us to forgive. So maybe it's unforgiveness that you're holding on to. And that's a sin in God's eyes. And it seriously is entangling you. Maybe it's just pure selfishness. Some kind of hidden sin that you're not showing or telling anybody about. Maybe it's just control. Yes, control can be a sin. You know, we understand being a control freak is not good. A.K.A. not trusting God. That's what being a control freak is. And I've, I've had my episodes of that. Where it's like, I want everything in its place. I want to be able to handle this thing. Even though I'm a Christian, I'm walking with God. And God's like, dude, you're hanging on really tight. And you're not trusting me. And when he whispers that to me, it really hits home. It might hit home for you. That deep in you is this need for control of your life or other people or whatever. And God's like, look, I'm the God of the whole creation. I'm the God of not only you, but everything. Let loose of the reins a little bit. There are activities or relationships, are there activities or relationships in your present pattern of living that are hindering you, that are entangling you from living out the purposes and calling that God has for you? If so, God wants to set you free. He wants you, He wants you to live life at the highest level. Back to the surf story. So eventually, I got the suit off, as I said, and we headed back to the water. And for the next 20 minutes or so, and I I looked a little funny. I'm in my swim trunks, man. Everybody else is in wetsuit. I don't care. I don't care what I look like. I don't care how cold I get over the next 30 minutes. I'm going to go for this. So I'm in the water, and I'm going, and I'm paddling. I'm like, I'm a new man. I mean, I'm paddling like all this force. I'm jamming. And you know what? After a few tries, I went from that laying down position (laughs) up, I felt like a last a man. I felt like I could do anything. I was like back into my ninja self. And I got on that board. And I wrote it for like 10 seconds. And I looked around. I saw things. I was hey. It was awesome. And 10 seconds is like an eternity up there on that board. And it was awesome. Not only did I write it once, I wrote it twice. It wasn't just a one-hit wonder. I was up twice. Because I knew, man, I couldn't just do it once. I had to get it back. And that, I was so free. That wetsuit had held me down, that seven thickness, whatever that thing was. It had, it had hindered me from surfing, from living a dream. And it was awesome. Now, you saw the video earlier. This is no fishtail. I really did it. I don't have video to show it, though. <laughs> I don't know what happened to Tony's GoPro. It might have run out of steam by then. But, man, you're going to have to trust me, all right? But God wants you to freely run your calling and your destiny free of encumbrance. He wants you to run free. He wants you to live free. He doesn't want you to be strapped down. You see, man, I, it's like think about being a Christian wearing a wetsuit like that and going around trying to live this life. and It's just a struggle. God doesn't want us like that. He wants us to live at a high level. How are we going to do this? The next verse in Hebrews 12, verse 2 and 3 say this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men so you will not grow weary and lose heart. we got to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, Matt gave me a surf secret. He goes, listen, when you do get up on that board, don't stare at the board Stare at the shore. That's what he told me. Don't look at the board. Stare at the shore. And when I got on that board, I did not look down. I stared at the shore. He said, don't look at the water rushing under your board. Don't look at the guy next to you. Don't look from what's behind you. Stare at the shore. Because there's something about that in surfing that steadies you. The same is true. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we don't look at our circumstance or our eyes down at our feet or our current thing or situation we're in, But we fix our eyes on Jesus, there's a way of steadying us. No matter what life's thrown at us, no matter what tumultuous thing we're going through, difficult thing, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, it steadies us. and We're able to see through this thing. We're able to walk through this thing and make it through whatever we're going through. Whatever wave is coming at you. Fixing your eyes on Jesus has the same effect. This week, I want to challenge you to fix your eyes on Jesus. And how can you do that? The number one way you can do that is by fixing your eyes on God's Word. Getting in God's Word and fixing your eyes on it. And reading it with anticipation and expectation. What is it, God, you want to speak to me? What do you want to bounce off the page this morning or this evening while I'm reading this? That You want to do something in my life. I'm not just reading to check my box and get my quota in for the day to make you make me feel like I feel better with You, God. I want to read because, man, I want to live free. What are You saying to me? What do You want to say to me? I want to have ears to hear. I challenge you to fix your eyes on Jesus by getting in His Word and spending time with Him and relating with Him. Talking with Him when you're driving in your car, when you're walking down through campus, when when you're just laying on your bed. Just talk to Him. Ask Him. Fix your eyes on Him. Jesus. What are you saying to me today? Holy Spirit, speak to me. What do you have? What do you have in this hour? Not this week or this month or this year. What do you have in this hour for my life? What do you want to say to me? If you want to fulfill God's purpose for your life and run this race without encumbrance, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. He has a way of us and helping us live all of that calling and destiny that He has set out for us. I look around this room, there is incredible destiny in this room. I can sense it. The Holy Spirit wants to do amazing things in each and every one of you. Don't let hindrance slow you down and don't let sin entangle you. But fix your eyes on Him and you'll be steady and you'll be surfing your life with God in an amazing way. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank You this morning for every life in this room. God, I do. I sense from You that, Lord, You've got an incredible calling on each and every person here, every man and woman in this place. God, I'm just asking You right now that you You would just encourage us tonight, tomorrow morning when we wake up, God, to fix our eyes on You and to begin to listen to Your voice this week. Lord, that You're the author and perfecter of our faith. That God, we don't have to muster this up ourselves, but God, You want to perfect it in us. That God, we can believe what we do not see yet. God, our destiny, it's out there in front of us, and we may be discouraged right now. There may be some in this room that are discouraged because it's like it's too far out. I can't see it yet. But Hebrews 11:1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So God, I pray that You would increase our faith God, that we could get up on that board and surf with you. God, keeping our eyes straight ahead. And Lord, I just thank you for each and every person this morning. In Jesus' name.